More efficient energy production, balanced inflammation, better overall health. Those are three things everyone can get on board with. But as we age, the cellular processes that run like a well-oiled machine in our youth begin to wear down. Fact is, everything we do from working out to breathing in our sleep creates stress and produces free radicals, a byproduct of reactions in the body that produce oxidative stress. Over time, this stress eats away at the integrity of our cells, causing damage that manifests as aging and other complications. That's bad news, but it doesn't necessarily have to play out that way. By protecting the cells, and more importantly, the mitochondria, the body itself may delay the effects of an aging cell. Bottom line, to live a wellness-focused life, and to achieve optimal health, performance, and energy levels, you have to make cellular integrity priority number one. That's where total mitochondria comes in. Total mitochondria has been shown to help boost cellular integrity, promote cardiovascular health, and balance normal inflammation responses. Mitochondria, affectionately known as the powerhouse of the cells, are responsible for generating ATP, which runs the rest of the body. Think of mitochondria like turbines. They produce energy that every cell in our bodies needs to function and therefore are critical for brain, muscle, and heart health. When our cells are healthy, the mitochondria inside them function optimally. Total mitochondria is the answer. If you want more, go to onit.com slash total dash mitochondria. And as always, if you want 10% off this amazing product and more, go to onit.com slash podcast. All right, y'all. We've got Simon Rex, a.k.a. Dirt Nasty, on the show today, who is, without question, one of my favorite people on earth and one of my favorite interviews. I learned a lot about him in this podcast. We, we talk all sorts of crazy shit. Uh, I met him at Burning Man earlier in 2018 with uh, a mutual friend of ours, Kyle Tierman, and totally hit it off. I'd heard him on Chris Ryan's podcast. We'll link to that in the show notes because it's a fucking awesome podcast when I heard him first on Tangentially Speaking. So if you guys like what you hear, dive into that one next. And uh, thanks for listening. This is going to be fire. All right, we're here. And uh, Ryan, just give me, if that gets too hot for you, you can turn it down. We have a beautiful fireplace going in the background here at this Airbnb in Venice. It's roaring. Joined by my fucking awesome friend, and I love saying that, Simon Rex. Yeah, brother. Thanks for having me. Fuck yeah. Yeah, yeah. I first heard you on um, Tangentially Speaking with Chris Ryan. That's right. And I think it was a couple years ago, and I was blown the fuck away, and I told you this at Burning Man, yep. which we'll dive into, but um, for the listeners, my... Memories of you were as an MTV VJ mm-hmm. and then as Dirt Nasty. Mm-hmm. And in college at ASU, that was the anthem we would blow rails of cocaine to yep. every fucking weekend to yep. start and finish the night. That's right. So <laughs> that's how it went <laughs> down, you know? And it was funny because I was talking to our buddy, Kyle Tierman. And, um, you know, obviously listening to you on tangentially speaking, there we go, Um as with anyone in life, there's far more depth to a person than whatever persona they have uh, in entertainment. You yeah, know? yeah. So it's been it's been fucking cool following you, and, right and even cooler getting to know you. Brother. Yeah, thank you. So I appreciate it's excellent that. Sitting across from you, I think people sort of have, and I understand, uh, sort of a misunderstanding. And that's what's so great about podcasts is that's when you really, like, anytime you see someone on like the Tonight Show and it's a five minute forced interview, you're not really getting to know that person. So because a podcast, you put your phone away and you talk for an hour at least, that's really when you get to know somebody. So I think that was probably the first thing I've ever done like that that was that 
opening up and being myself and not promoting a movie. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It was just really, I got to have an intellectual conversation with Chris, which I didn't know him until that. I was a fan of his. I read Sex at Dawn, hit him on Twitter. Like, this book was amazing. He goes, come do my podcast. We did the podcast, What You Heard, and became friends afterwards. And that's another cool thing about the podcast. If you think about it, how often do you sit down in this day and age with somebody, turn your phone off for 90 minutes, and talk and get to know somebody. I'm getting to know people more via podcasts than just normal life hanging out. It's, I'm a big fan of these things. Uh, Hell yeah. They're the best. Getting to know people that you didn't know you'd be, like what you said, like you probably thought Dirt Nasty was who I am. I always say I'm 5% Dirt Nasty, like inside of me is, so there's some truth to that character, but it's a, it's a show. So it's a character, you know? I'm just kind of putting on a show for college kids like when you were at ASU. ASU or U of A? Yep, yep, ASU. ASU. So I pretty much just made up a character for people to party to. Now here's the conundrum. 44 years old, people still think that's me. And they come up to me at the show and they throw bags of blow on stage. I'm like, dude, that was a joke. Like, I, I don't want your Coke. And people, <laughs> they just think I'm going to do Coke every day on tour. Yeah. And uh, if they that's only knew- That's a hard act to only, fucking dude, keep up. That's a hard only, one to keep up. They only knew it was like my least favorite drug. You know, I, I, but the song worked. For those of you guys listening, I did a song called 1980 where on the song, I'm, I'm on cocaine. And when I did the song, I said, I want to do a song from the point of view of the customer who's doing Coke, because a lot of rappers talk about selling Coke. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, let me be the customer. So <laughs> I, did. I had no idea it would blow up that big. So to this day, I'm still like, people put me in a box and they think I'm a Coke head. And I'm just like, dude, you're just wrong. Like I'm other things head, not Coke. <laughs> like there's so many other drugs I'd rather be associated with, but it's funny, whatever, you know? Yeah. Fuck yeah. Well, yeah. I definitely want to dive into drugs because I'm a huge fan of them as well. Yeah. And, uh, and it's funny to see the arc of you know, the things that we do when we're younger and we're trying to numb and, and get out of our head and be unconscious. And then as we start to wake up and get more on the path, how those drugs change. So I want to dive into that. But first, let's get, your, let's get your background. Because you were uh, a model, right? Yeah, yeah, You're yeah. You're a very handsome man. I was, uh, thank you. Um, I was, I'll give you the cliff notes. Basically, I was working at a potato sack factory. Can't make that shit up. <laughs> In Oakland, California. Oak Town. Oak Town. And I was basically cleaning up these machines that made potato sacks. So you, have you ever held a sack of potatoes? There's those little tiny holes that are mm -hmm. in the bag. Those are called perforations. And these machines would go seven days a week, 24 hours a day, printing these potato sacks. And they would leave these tiny little plastic holes all over little circles. Mm. And I would once a week go and clean out these machines and clean the toilets and clean the, you know, drive a forklift and load freight. I was just doing a real, real like normal job. And I met this girl at a rave in San Francisco on MDMA. Comes up to me while I'm working at a fucking potato sack factory. I meet this chick at a rave. She comes up to me and takes my beanie off and runs her fingers through my hair. And she was like the hottest girl I've ever seen. Because I grew up in the Bay Area. Like, it's not like LA, Miami, New York. Like, yeah. yeah, there's pretty girls, but not like, she was like a model. So anyway, long story short, she kidnaps me. And I moved to LA with her and drop everything. Because I, I thought I fell in love, but I was infatuated because she was so hot. So next thing you know, I'm driving her around to her auditions because she's an aspiring model. Um, I'm sitting in the waiting room with her son on my lap. She had a kid that was two years old. I was in way over my head. I was Damn, 18 she years was old. that fine as a mom? Yeah, she was. 
uh, hotmom.com. And she, uh, <laughs> I'm sitting with her son on my lap in the waiting room and she goes in for a casting and they come out with her and they're like, thanks. And they're like, who's that? She goes, oh, that's my boyfriend. He's not a model. And they're like, oh, he's perfect for this job. Next thing you know, I'm on a plane to Italy. I didn't even want to do this shit. It just fell in my lap. Next thing you know, I get signed to an Italian agency, a New York agency, and I'm going, and me and her broke up because I, in effect, took her dream that she wanted. So next thing you know, I'm in Milan, New York, and Paris, just doing runway shows and modeling. I'm like, okay, this is better than the potato sack factory. And that's how my whole path pretty much started. And then when living in New York, um, I knew someone that worked at MTV. I got a job as a VJ. This is back when MTV showed videos, 96, 97. That's probably what you remember. Mm-hmm. When were you in college? What years? I was in college, 2000, 2004. Okay, but so, I was still watching MTV right, when I was right. in high school. I, I remember like Pauly Shore, yeah, all yeah, those yeah, guys yeah. would come on, AC Slater. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So those days, that last era of MTV showing videos mm-hmm. is when I worked there. And obviously that's a great platform for everybody to find out who you are. So that fell into my lap too. Um, I never was like, I want to be a VJ. It just fell into my lap, did that. And then Gus Van Sant, he's a very big director who did like Drugstore Cowboy. He did um, Goodwill Hunting, mm-hmm. dope director. He sees me on MTV, goes, I want to read Simon for a movie. I'm like, I'm not an actor. He's like, just come in and meet me. So I had to come in and read with him and Matt Damon for Goodwill Hunting for a small role of a bully that had like a few lines. And I went in, I read the lines Was with it him. the guy with the long ponytail? That's I like- can't. He gets beat up. Matt Damon beats him up. It's like an old high school bully he beats up. It's like oh, one yeah, scene. It's me. It's me from kindergarten. Yeah, yeah exactly. That, that was it. That All was right. it. So I went to audition for that role. I've never acted in my life. So I read the audition and it's so bad that Gus Van Sant says, stop, stop, Simon. That's the worst audition I've ever seen. And I go, I know, dude, I'm not an actor. He's like, no, just wait. And Matt Damon's like looking at the floor. Like I'm dropping names because it helps the story. Matt Damon's like looking at the floor, like uncomfortable for how bad I am. And he's like, look, look, it's fine. You're not ready, but I'm going to send you to an acting coach because you have something. You're just not there yet. So he sends me to this real intense, like method acting class in New York with like the theater district with like real struggling actors. And I'm the guy on MTV. So they already hate me because I'm like on TV. And You've already probably, made it in a lot I've of ways. I've already made it. And yeah. they're like, fuck this guy. And I take this really intense like a- acting class. And I think I learned the craft enough to where if that opportunity presented itself, I'd be able to book the job. So a couple years living in New York, working at MTV. And I moved to LA. And I start booking acting gigs left and right because Gus Van Sant kind of put me on that path. So again, all these things were fortuitous. They, they weren't by design. I didn't plan any of this shit. I, everything is just kind of, there's a window. I jump through it. I never like had a master plan to make it or I've just been very, very fortunate. Right place, right time, met the right people. And, uh, and then in effect, after the acting was going on for years in LA, there's a lot of downtime as an actor. So I started doing music with my friend, Mickey Avalon. He got signed to Interscope. We toured with the Chili Peppers and I have a music career all of a sudden. So everything just kind of lined up. I don't know how, like I, I always tell people, I wouldn't tell my worst enemy, yeah, come to LA and make it. Like it's a lottery. It's a fucking lottery. But I was very, very fortunate, you know, because yeah. here I am sitting here with you and I've got to make people laugh over the years. And you said you like Dirt Nasty and MT. All these things just sort of popped up and I did them, you know? So- yeah, I don't want to act like, you know, I had some master plan that I executed. I just knew the right people and was in the right place at the right time. And I guess had enough 
of a look and talents to get where I'm at. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. So, but I mean, any, as anything in life, when the opportunity comes, if you're ready and you you can do the damn thing, then there you go. That's success, right? Yeah. What's the saying? Luck is opportunity meets preparation. Is that the saying? I think so. Something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. That something makes like sense. Because I was prepared enough at that point. I was like, oh shit, there's something here. I could do this, you know? So yeah, that's, that's the cliff notes of sort of how I got to sit right here in front of you. And then you've gotten into comedy along the way. Yeah. Obviously, Dirt Nasty is a comedic version rapper, and there's it's fucking awesome. But you've also dipped your hands into more comedic adventures. You've got Typical Rick. Yep. And you're still doing that? Is that right? No, Typical Rick, we did two years. That's a Comedy Central show I did with Nick Swartzen, who's my buddy. And uh, that was just a two-year run. It lasted only two seasons, which you're lucky to even get that these days. Um, and I've just done, yeah, I kind of gravitate towards doing comedy. I always like to be the class clown and make people laugh. So I'm not, I'm not some like serious method actor that knows how to do dramatic stuff. I'm more the comic relief in most movies that I do, like scary movie three. It's a comedy, you know, Mm -hmm. almost everything I've done has been a comedy. That's just what I prefer. I just, I feel like my purpose is to make people laugh, whether it's a song, whether it's a little Instagram video, whether it's typical Rick, whether it's dirt nasty, as long as I'm keeping people smiling and they come up to me and they're like, Oh, you're the guy. And they're smiling. That's I did. I did my job. That's my vocation. I think that's what I'm here to do. I'd like to think that. Yeah. And I've been able to avoid a cubicle this far and be able to make a living doing being a fucking class clown. So yes, I prefer comedy. And and I did do stand up for a little while too, but it went really bad. I bombed. <laughs> I bombed. I hear so. that is one of the most humbling fucking experiences on dude, earth. Have you tried? And everyone sucks. No, oh, I'm fucking dude. way too afraid of that. I'd rather get punched in the face. But speaking of guys who get punched in the face, Tate Fletcher, who's a buddy of ours, lives out here in Venice. Um fought in the UFC, was an Ultimate Fighter 3 is good buddies with Rogan. He's uh-huh. done some stand-up. He's done stand-up at the comedy store. And he says, nothing has been more painful in his entire life. No fight has been worse than bombing on stage. Bro, I can't even tell you. Like, the nerves, like, the day you wake up to... I, I'm not a fighter, so I don't know what that would feel like, the day of a fight to wake up and have those nerves. But the heaviest, most gut-wrenching thing I've ever experienced is the morning you wake up and you have to do stand-up that night. Your nerves are eating. You can't eat. You. It, it is like Even thinking about it right now, I'm getting like edgy because you're going up to read your jokes in front of people that are paying to laugh with a light in your face. At least with Dirt Nasty, I'm hiding behind a song. Like There's music behind me and they know the words and they're there drunk and have a good time. And to go make a room full of people laugh that are sitting there like, entertain me. That's yeah. fucking gnarly. And so I tried it for a little bit. I didn't do too well, but even just doing it was like enough. I'm like, fuck, I can't believe I got up there and did it. Probably did stand up 20 times in 20 years. Um, and I just realized it's not me. Just like I tried doing um, I tried doing jujitsu for a while. I trained for a year with Henry and Hedon Gracie. Yeah, that's and right. Those are the boys. And like after a year of doing it, I kind of just looked at them like, you know what? I'm just not a fighter. But I try, I'm glad I tried. But you know, as you get older, you kind of just realize your lane and stick in your lane. Yeah, I like to do comedy stuff, but I'm not doing stand up is a whole different animal. That is. is a fucking beast that I just, don't, you know, I kind of get the bug out of my system when I go do a dirt nasty show because I stand up in front of people and make them laugh and do my music. So it's kind of like a hybrid, you know, comedy music, close enough. Stand yeah. up alone. Oof. Yeah, dude, that's heavy. It's got to be nice too because like you can crack jokes in the in between songs. And then if something doesn't land, like, 
drop the beat. We're getting into the next song here and just keep the show rolling. And you don't really like live and die and hang on every single word you say. That's exactly right. I can, uh, if it starts getting weird, next song. Yep. And they know the song. So they're already on board. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's what they came to see, right? Yeah. Along with the comedy. It's weird too, because I've done shows before where I've had to open up for stand-up comedians doing music. And if it's weird that like the psychology of people sitting down compared to standing up, like people sitting down to watch stand-up, they're a lot more relaxed than a crowd of people for a concert standing up, drinking, you know, and getting drunk and moving around. So to go out in front of a crowd of people that are sitting down for stand-up and you're doing music and they're like, are we supposed to, what are we doing here? Do we stand up? Are we supposed, it's fucking awful. Mm. So I've learned over the years, I actually did one in Austin. I opened up for Nick Swartzen at the famous theater downtown, that big famous like old theater in Austin. Mm -hmm. We did a Comedy Central special. We opened up for Nick Swartzen and it just went so bad because everyone's like sitting down like, wait, we didn't sign up for this. Wait, this is music. We got, what are we doing? So it's, it's different, but sort of the same in that I'm making 400 people smile and getting paid to do it. So I'm happy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Bro. Yeah, dude. It's so yeah. Tell me about this, this arc. One thing that I that I was not expecting when I heard you on Chris Ryan's was there's obviously a spiritual component to you. And you've gotten into mindfulness and a lot of different practices that resonate with me. And that's not how I started off in life. I just wanted to beat the fuck out of people and play football and and you know, get shit face drunk and all those things. Right. And then it, you know, life changes and you're presented with different opportunities and you can learn from other people. And then you start to experience kind of that level of stillness. I mean, how, when did you first start looking into more of this mindful approach to how you live? Um, I'd say in the last maybe five years or so, like my late thirties, I'm 44 now. And I think it was right around 40 is when I kind of opened up to it more because I grew up in San Francisco with hippie parents. So I've been around a lot of sort of new age mm-hmm. healing. My dad does breath work for a living. Okay. So he's a breath work coach. Uh, I've been around and exposed to a lot of, you know, the healing practices and, all these things, which is probably why I think I had one foot in the door, one out, because I was around it as a kid. And I'm like, oh, my parents were just hippies. They're crazy. Da, da, da. So I never really embraced it. And then now that I'm older, I'm like, oh, okay, there's something here. And I think f- for me personally, after 20 years of smoking weed or drinking and going out, it 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 doesn't feel um, it doesn't feel that well. I wouldn't. I don't know if it's a hole, but you're looking to to for something to. Uh, something to make you feel like complete. And for me, nothing was working anymore. So by default, I was like, you know what? Let's go outside my comfort zone here and let's try all these things that I was scoffing at for the last 20 years, like breath work, like meditation, like yoga, all these things that in my mind, just the macho bullshit ego side of me is like, that shit's lame. Yeah, sort of like how I'm not going to a yoga class. Do you know I'm what I mean? I'm going to fucking huff and puff for 20 minutes. You know what I mean? And it's just, none of that shit was working anymore. So I'm like, let me just go outside my comfort zone and try some weird shit. And when I did, I couldn't believe how magic it was for me because I was open to it. Probably if I had tried before then and I would have had that in the back of my mind, I might not have been an open channel to receive the work. If some hot chick drug you to a yoga class, you'd have been like, eh, that was cool and I'll go because of you, but I'm not going to embrace this and come every day without you. Which I did. For years, I had yoga teacher friends and you know girls, girls I was dating that did yoga. But to me, it was more on the surface. I didn't really go deep and was open to mm. healing and learning and growing and I think I just hit a point in my life where like, I just wanted to, I wanted to get on the path of 
growing and healing and learning and putting my ego aside. And yeah, there's like anything, I feel like there's a lot of shit out there that maybe isn't a hundred percent real. I mean, everything's different for everybody, but for me personally, I found, for instance, the breath work to be very effective. Mm -hmm. That's just science right there. There's no dogma attached to it. It's, that's just like biology, Mm -hmm. things like that. It's undeniable. Um, I think Yogi Bhajan, who's the guy who brought Kundalini yoga to the West, they said, who's your God? And he said, the cold. Mm. Because the cold is so real and you can't, there's no dogma attached to that. So, uh, Wim Hof shit, like the breath yeah. work, the cold water. Lately, I've been on the cold water breath work shit because straight up, like, I'll be honest, A, you get high for free. Mm-hmm. Like, you get high. I don't care what you say. You fucking feel amazing. And it's, it just feels like as you start to get older, you don't want to accelerate the aging process. If anything, you want to slow it down. So I'm just doing all these things to kind of like, the next half of my life, I want to be as healthy and happy and strong as possible. So all these things I'm doing are putting me on that trajectory as opposed to just drinking at the bar, smoking weed, playing video games. That shit's played out, you know? Yeah. For me. Yeah. You can't tell that to a 27-year-old. Yeah. And that's fine because everything everything at the right time, You know what I mean? Like when you're ready for it, cool, it'll be here. But there's, you know, we were talking about Paul Check before we jumped on. And we're going to go see him in a couple of days down in San Diego, my wife and I and Aubrey Marcus. And um, one of my favorite quotes in anything in life is, sooner or later, your health will be your number one concern. Sooner or later, either right now you can make it That's great. Or, or on your fucking deathbed, yeah. it'll be your number one concern, right? So I, I like how that there is a shift as you get a little older and maybe your hangover lasts a little longer and maybe you've seen the same thing play out time and time again at the end of the night at the bar or watching the sun come up fucking crack down on blow, you know, like the, that, that begins like, okay, I've, I've really beat that to a, that dead horse already. I don't need to keep going with that. Yep. And I can look for something else. And in that searching, we see like, oh, I should take care of myself. Oh, I do really enjoy life. Like what are the things that leave me more whole than when I started? What are the things that build me up inside? And that's, uh, that's fucking awesome to see that, brother. You said it exactly right. That's exactly what it is. And, you know, I, I, I feel like at this point, if I'm not doing something every day to better myself, I'm going backwards. So I make it a little personal on some Jordan Peterson shit, like only be better than you were yesterday, mm-hmm. right? I'm not competing with anyone else. But if I go a day without doing some form of Spiritual work, exercise, reading, working on music, writing something. I feel like I went backwards. So I always want to do something to better myself, whether it be, you know, even just yesterday, I was like, I could just tell my body needed to move around. So I just got up. I I meditate every morning. I do transcendental meditation. That's been my thing. Every single morning, I, I make a rule. I don't look at my phone. I give myself 30 minutes before I even look at my phone. I bought an alarm clock just for that reason. So when I wake up, I don't look at my phone to see what time it is and get sucked into my phone because we're all so addicted to our fucking phone. I had to do that. I had to go buy an old school alarm clock. So when I wake up, I see the time. It don't fucking, I haven't quite made it to the point where I don't bring my phone in my room yet. <laughs> that's like, that's the black belt <laughs> shit. But uh, so I, I'm, I wake up and I say, hey, Siri, set timer for 20 minutes. Beep. Sit there and I just think about my dreams and I meditate and I just say my mantra. That already makes my day so much better than if I just looked at my fucking phone. Little, little life hacks like that. Cold showers. Yesterday, I felt a little froggy. Just went, I'm lucky. I live right on the beach in Santa Monica. I walked outside barefoot, went onto the sand, and I just did a 20-minute run and hit the pull-up and the dip bars. 
and my day was better. So little things like that, like little, you know, again, to quote Jordan Peterson, if you look at life, it's not a game, it's a series of games. And if you win a good percentage of the games, let's say you win seven out of 10 games, you're winning in life. So it's not like, you just, I, I look at it like little mini battles for myself that I give myself. So yeah. as long as I do some form of meditation, yoga, exercise, something per day, I just feel better, you know? Yeah. Did you do a, like a, a course in transcendental meditation? Yes. So yes. you have to get, uh, is it like a, um, how do they word that? Whoever your teacher is, you have to link up with that person and and explain that for people. Yeah, because so, I've heard a lot about this. My father was into it mm-hmm. way back in the day. And um, like, I know Tim Ferriss has talked about it. Ben Greenfield, there's a lot of people in this yeah, space. Yeah, Jerry Seinfeld. Yeah. Uh, um, Howard Stern, they do it every day. I Okay, so I have a very fast neurotic Jewish brain. My brain's always, you know, and I need to shut up that monkey mind, okay? So for me, I found the best form of meditation was transcendental meditation because you get a mantra and you just say the word over and over in your head for 20, 30 minutes, whatever you want. Cock. There you go. How did you know my mantra? Um, So here's how it works to answer your question. You go to the, uh, uh, not shaman, but the guy who did it for me. He was like my, he was like a acupuncturist, cupping, herbalist. Okay. Eastern medicine medicine guy. Yes. So he um, would do the practice where you go to him and bring an offering. You bring uh, tobacco, candy, a toy. And there was something else, like not money, but there was something else you bring as an offering, kind of like a religious religious offering. So you bring that and you do like a two-hour ceremony where you sit there and you meditate with him. And then at the end, he says, I'm going to tell you your mantra in your ear. I'm going to say it once. And that's your mantra only. You're the only person with this word. Don't share it with anybody. And that's the word that you're just going to say in your head over and over. You're going to is think, it a oh, word or is it like a, a sound? It's like okay. a sound to us. I don't know what the translation means. It sounds like a Chinese word. I see. Okay. So basically... I remember saying, am I going to forget the word? He's like, relax, you're never going to forget the word. And at the very end of this whole thing, he whispers the word in my ear. Let's just say it's wadang. That's not the word. But okay. so after this whole thing, he just comes up to my ear and he whispers, wadang. And it was almost like a sound. It wasn't even a word. It was like a sound. So to this day, I'll never forget it. And there'll be times where I don't meditate for a couple months, but I always have it in my back pocket. When, I, when it's there, I want it. I have my own mantra. And it's just mine, you know? And I don't know, you know what the science is to back that stuff, but whatever, dude, the shit works. Because for me, you don't have to picture yourself rooting in the ground. You don't have, you just say the word. It's like the, it's like 101 meditation. It's so easy. Yeah. I think the best meditation, I mean, the best thing in anything in life, when you know this from jujitsu, it's the basics, right? Mastery of the basics. So what is the basic thing? Well, having a very simple and concrete focal point, whether that's the breath, or a mantra or a sound. Uh, there's a book by Wayne Dyer. If, if people don't want to shell out the cheese to go to TM, it's called Getting Into the Gap. Mm-hmm. And he talks about in many languages, this ah syllable is in the name for God, God and Allah. And he goes Yahweh. through a, Yeah, he goes through a ton of them, right? right? So getting into the gap, you practice this vocal meditation where you take you practice taking deep breaths you get relaxed and then ah uh, and you let that play all the way out and then it's done in the space between the breaths that's the fucking gap and it's a rad meditation I like that. because like you're you're at any time that fucking like you can once you're in the gap you can just stay there and breathe you don't need to keep making the sound 
But the second the monkey mind comes back in, ah, you go right back to it. And it just pushes everything out. So it's that's that's been an excellent yeah, that way sounds, for me to tap into that. I do that know, in float tanks. I've done it in psychedelics. Out too. loud, you say it. <laughs> yeah. So there's even deeper to that from my understanding. Ah is even more than that. It's the Gregorian chants. It's the sound you make when you have an orgasm. It's the sound you make when you laugh. Ha, ha, ha. There's so many ahs that that mm. is a universal, like doesn't matter where you're from in the world, that is the sound that... I don't know if it's the 528 hertz, but it's like the love Ooh, frequency okay. yeah, yeah, that, yeah. that is the universal human. Um, think about it. Ha, ha, ha. You realize something. Ah, uh, you have an orgasm. Ah, God, Yahweh, all that shit. There's so many of the ah that that is, that is exactly right. There's a lot of power to that sound and the yeah. resonance. And when you're doing it, you are vibrating and everything's yeah, vibrations. Everything's, everything's vibrations, right? Yeah, like right. everything's vibe. You walk in a room, you can feel someone's vibration. I'm extremely sensitive, maybe to a fault where I feel people's vibes all the time. And I am a, a very big believer that everything is vibes, which is why like Burning Man is such a powerful place because everyone's tuned into that. If everything's like a guitar note, the, the note and the frequency of Burning Man is like that ah note. It's like love, right? Mm-hmm. Everything's love. Like that sounds cliche, but that's really what it's about. Yeah, and radical inclusion. People you, are like, that's like, you know, even if there's some fuckery and you read about shit, like I read, I think the year before we went, we read about uh, one of those posh turnkey camps. And I say that, having stayed at a posh right, turnkey right, camp. Right, right, right. So like, I'm not going to act oh, wait, like a posh what camp? A posh what camp? Turnkey. Oh, turnkey. You know, yeah, like yeah. all you got to do is show up. Turkey. I'm like, what, they have turkey? turkey there. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, oh, they got like organic free range turkey breast. No, yeah. The turnkey, the posh turnkey right, right, camps, right. you know, and then like, they weren't letting people in. They had like security and shit roped off. Which is against the kind of the it's vibe. Totally. There. That's right. not radical inclusion. Right. Right. right and right. so, you know, I mean, if you want to say like, hey, this is a private event, that's fine. But I guess the whole time they weren't letting people in. So some of the, uh, you know, the older school burners, probably some younger people got a little upset and dumped like 4,000 gallons of water on their uh, music equipment. Wow. And just fucked the whole thing wow. for them, right? Was that this year? No, this was, oh. this was a year, a year before we went, uh-huh. so three years ago. Uh-huh. But yeah, so like you, you know, we hear about shit like that. And then like, the, obviously, you know, the last two years I've been, there's been no experience like that. I've heard, haven't heard of anything like that. Yeah. Um, but for the most part, and even I'm sure at that Burning Man, there is the overwhelming arch of radical inclusion of like, all right, this might have happened to this one camp, but everywhere else, there is that idea like, I don't know you and that's okay. I'll get to know you and we can interact and we can trade some cool service or drug or whatever, right? Like and That's it, how we pretty much bonded. Yeah, uh, yeah brother. You know, it's a... Uh, that place is so egalitarian. It's unbelievable. Everyone's sharing. It feels like tribal. It feels like you're in a hunter-gatherer group with your friends and sharing and everyone's part of a team. Uh, yeah, we could go down to the Burning Man wormhole if you want. Like, I'll, Let's uh, do like, it. We're here. Yeah, I mean, Let's fucking yeah. jump into Burning Man so for sure. My, I've never talked about it on the podcast. Uh, yeah. My <laughs> first one this year where I met you and Aubrey and, and you and we- Natasha. Yeah, we all basically- Got thrown onto the same art car, or you got, yeah, mm-hmm. our friend Kyle went and yep, grabbed Kyle Tierman grabbed us. And yeah, I remember he's like, Oh, I'm gonna go grab the guys. And wait, we didn't meet before, we met on the art car, right? That's where you and we, I, I think we might have met the day before. Oh, the but day we, before, that's yeah. right. Yeah, yep, yeah, was, at the camp. It's all kind of a blur. Um, <laughs> and you jumped on the art car, and we were very egalitarian with what was in our pockets, right? Mm-hmm. We were very sharing, and it feels good to share. Like, doesn't it feel good to 
throw in on something and it's like, uh, you ever read Sebastian Younger's book, Tribe? Okay, that yeah. shit was just like, that's Burning Man on a military level. Like everything's yeah. about, you need your team, you need to share, but it almost releases some chemical in your brain that feels like, it just feels like we're so stripped of that out here in the matrix and in the grid. We don't get to experience the simplest thing. Everyone's so greedy. Everyone's hoarding their shit. And everyone's, it's like competition. It's its us versus Dude. them. And it's, it's a, and even... Even if you have friends and things like that, it's still, that might be tribal in the sense of it's, well, these are the people that I care about and those other people right. I don't care about. Right. And, or even among your friends, you can be in a competitive mindset and not wanting to share all the details. I mean, even in fucking fighting, there's people that would come to train with us and they'd want to learn, but they wouldn't want to teach you their dope techniques. And like, that would never resonate with right. me. You'd be like, hey man, right. you don't get to come in here and learn our shit. Right. We're like showing you stuff and you have these great fucking techniques and you're not showing us how you do that. Like, right. like this is give and take, you right, know? Right, right. But at Burning Man, there, there is that un, that overwhelming sense of dude, give. It blew me like, away. I want to give. It blew me away. I mean, they always say like, if you're feeling shitty about your life, go like donate some time to a charity or a cause. Like the other day, I, I so I, I'm just doing vegetarian for a couple of weeks. I just was like, I don't know why I just woke up. I just, I go off gut and I go off instinct and it's usually right. And I just said, you know what? For the first time in my life, I just want to go two weeks without eating meat and see how I feel. I'm not going to be the guy who's looking down his nose and being the raw vegan snob, none of that shit. I just, for me, want to try it. So I had a full chicken in my fridge. I'm like, let me just go give this to a homeless person in Venice. So I bring it out and I gave it to these guys on the corner and they were so stoked. You know what? I felt fucking good all day. Like yeah. I hooked a motherfucker up yeah. and that is all day long at Burning Man. You know, yeah. that feeling of just human sharing that we never get to really experience, dude. That place blew me away. I'm still kind of tripping on it. It was my first time ever going. And you were there for six days? I did six days. Yeah, Five six nights? days, six nights. Okay. I can't remember. I got there on Monday and I left on like Sunday you morning, really right early after the, after the burn, yeah, like okay. one in the morning or something. Okay, but full experience. I had everything that I could ever dream of, and I went alone. I went by myself, which was the G move. Like people were coming up to me that I never met. Like how many burns you been to? I'm like first one. Like you came alone on your first burn, dude. You win rookie of the year. That's crazy. Like it took me ten years to come alone. I loved going alone because I could just click up with different people and not get caught up in what happens. Is Someone forgets their sweater. Someone wants to go see this thing. I was just doing my own thing. I didn't have to wait for anybody. And I was just yeah. on my own. I'd come click up with you guys. I'd go stay with my other friends. And I was just like a free spirit wandering around doing whatever the fuck selfishly. I mean, fuck it. I wanted to do what I wanted to do and not be on other people's time and yeah, schedule. completely so, choose your own adventure. Dude, You're exactly. not hanging up. I mean, countless times we'd get ready to leave our camp and to be like, fuck, man, we got to wait on this guy coming out of the RV right now. Always. And, oh, he's got his bike, but his lights aren't working. And it's I, like, I got to go back, go back to later. No, your whole trip will be doing that. And I was like, fuck it, dude. I'm not selfish. I just want to have this full experience for myself. You know, because part of me is like, oh, man, are you being like greedy doing this alone? I'm like, no, dude, you just have this experience alone. And it was exactly that because anytime I'd go click up with certain friends or whatever, there'd always be something at a snag in the day or plans. And I didn't want any of that shit. So I went solo, dude. It was sick. <laughs> that place blew my mind, dude. I'm still tripping. I'm still dripping. It's dope. Well, I, you know, one of the things that you brought up on Chris Ryan's was uh, getting a buddy pass. Oh, yeah, And yeah, traveling yeah. and seeing yeah, the world. Have you yeah. done that? Yo, so check it out. Okay, it's funny you brought that up. So I recently bought an RV, too. That's how much I'm fucking trying to be like young Chris Ryan, okay? I saw his RV, how he's living, and I'm, he's always just taking it. He's always like, hey, I'm just going to go tonight to the desert for a few days. You know, I'm going to go up the coast. And I'm like, dude, 
I sold my house in Laurel Canyon. I'm in a one bedroom apartment in Venice. I have the money to buy something like this. I'm buying a fucking RV, right? So I started looking at Sprinter vans like his and I found a fucking sick 2001 Volkswagen Winnebago and I fucking, it's the best thing I've ever bought. I have the freedom to just jump in it and the buddy pass and the RV at the same time is like the life hack. Oh my God. I can't even fucking tell you how the, the freedom that I have and I don't have a wife or kids or children or, or a girlfriend even right now. Me and my girl broke up recently. So I'm like fully on like the solo mission and but this year I sold my buddy pass for one year because okay. I wanted to do the RV more this year. And here's the thing. The buddy pass cost me 5,500 a year. You go unlimited standby and you got to use it like four or five times in a year to really get your money's worth. Mm-hmm. Like, so this year I'm already going to be working in Australia, Bali. My buddy's shooting, shooting a surf movie that he's putting me in. He's like, I'm going to fly you to Costa Rica twice and Bali again in Hawaii. So I'm like, I really didn't need the buddy pass this year. I so I you. sold it for one year. I get it back 2020. Okay. That's the condition. Like I sold it for one year knowing I'd get it back the following year. But yeah, dude, that's the life hack. The buddy pass, bro, as long as you could travel light, which is just one carry on and don't make plans. And you no could kids. go anywhere in the world and no kid, <laughs> no dog. My yep. dog, I, I, he passed away a couple years ago. This is my window of time to do it. So anyway, yeah, the buddy pass, bro. That is the greatest fucking thing. How do you ever. get a buddy pass? Dude, you got to get lucky. I've been looking for 15 years. You meet anyone you meet that either knows someone that works at an airline or works on an airline. I would even say when you get off the plane, talk to a flight attendant and be like, hey, do you have a buddy pass you want to sell? Because you just got to get lucky and find it. I've had, so, I've had flights to Vegas where they recognize me from fighting and they wanted a photo. That'd be a great opportunity. That's exactly like, when you- bro, Yeah, let's take a photo. Let me get that, a buddy pass. Dude. Like and, and if it ain't them, they'll be like, oh, my friend who works at blah, blah, blah. Okay. Sell his or hers. So I found somebody, my friend in Hawaii's neighbor works at an airline. So they sold me their kids' pass that they would have given their child because their kids are in high school, they won't use it. So this woman sold it to me under the condition. She said, only if you promise to use the shit out of it. And I want to see you on Instagram in Paris. I want to see you in Egypt. I want to see you in Bali. I want you to use this shit. So I, for the first uh, two years, I used the shit out of it. And then this year, I, I, I sold it to her friend for a year and I get it back 2020. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That's but the dope, RV, bro. I want to do more of the RV. I'm getting it solar this week. I'm getting solar panning on the RV. Like the RV is so That's rad. Sick. Dude, it's so fucking <laughs> sick, dude. So yeah, Chris Where Ryan. Where have you taken the RV out to yet? So my first trip I did in it, I took it. Um, my first trip, I just drove north with no plan. I just drove north up the coast. And you like, take PCH? Yeah, I took PCH, but then it was closed up at Big Sur because it yeah, was, there was about, a, I remember that. Like eight months ago. It was closed. Yeah, I remember that. So I had to go around in through inland up to like Nascimento Canyon. And my friend Chris Ryan, who we're talking about, he would like send me the coordinates of like a great campsite up in the mountains. He'd be like, dude, go to this place. And I just hit it on my phone and drive eight hours to a location. Wake up the next morning. Where do I want to go today? I'm going to go to Santa Cruz for the afternoon. Go to Santa Cruz, take a fucking yoga class, jump in the ocean, get some dinner. Where do I want to go next? Oh, I'm going to go see my friends in Oakland for a day. Then I'm going to go to Tahoe and see my folks. Then I'm going to go to Nevada City. Then I'm gonna, should I go to the Oregon border for a couple of days? Dude, the no plan van. I don't know where I'm going. <laughs> and it's the fucking best thing in the world. Um, so that was my first trip. Since then, I've taken it on another NorCal trip. I've taken it to the desert with my ex-girlfriend. We went into Joshua Tree and ate some mushrooms. Fucking amazing. Joshua um, Tree's dope. Oh, dude, it's made for taking mushrooms. Yeah. I can't even believe how fucking amazing and close that place is 
two hours away, you are on Mars eating mushrooms. Two yeah, hours. It's a, it's, it, that is sacred land. I did, I did my bachelor party there. Dude. We, uh, we candy flipped little MDMA mm-hmm. and, and LSD. Mm-hmm. And like, right. Uh, you just feel Dude. like you are one with the fucking earth. Bro. The second you get there, Bro. it's kind of like Sedona. Like there's an yes. energy to the land for sure. The desert's a very good sure. backdrop for psychedelics. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's a very good atmosphere to be doing those kind of drugs. Mm-hmm. Cause you feel the spirit world there or whatever it is. You know yeah. what I mean? Like it's like you, a little young guns reference dude dude <laughs> i don't remember that is that a line from a movie yeah he goes oh. we're in, he's entering the spirit world oh yeah yeah, but got, uh, yeah, lou, yeah. Diamond, lou diamond phillips dude i have i can't and, uh, do who oh. else is in that movie giles emilio estevez he hella went, young keeper sutherland's in it hella young Are you from the bay yeah what part again uh so, south bay so okay. sunnyville cupertino okay, right outside okay. of san jose yeah, you said hella i'm like that's a bay thing yeah you uh, know this <laughs> dude yeah so you know the good thing about smoking weed all those years because i don't smoke pot anymore i very rarely smoke weed just doesn't work for me anymore we're talking about how you kind of change and mm-hmm. like the weed just stopped serving me um i'm more into like mind expanding drugs than drugs that lower your vibration like alcohol and weed just kind of make you bleh. But certain drugs open you up and make you grow and learn about yourself. Like, that's what I'm about. I want to do those, the higher frequency ones. And uh, the one good thing about smoking weed my whole life is I don't remember. I'll see a whole movie and be like, oh, shit, I've seen this movie before at the very end. And I don't even remember any of it. It's like, say, I get to see the movie again. So when you bring up a line from a 1999 movie, I ain't going to remember shit. You know? That's funny. I don't like, My memory is fucked. Like, you know what though? I do feel like we got out of weed at the wrong time. Because I know, now or, that it's yeah. legal and I know. It's there, just the quality is so much better it's, and you can pick, you know, you pick your own strain and this is, and obviously I don't have this in Texas, but I was here in Cali yeah. when we voted into recreational. I was in, in Nevada when we voted into recreational yeah, there, yeah. you know, and then now in Texas, eh, it's a little ways out. From yeah, that, yeah, you know? yeah. They'll get but, there maybe. Um, but um, yeah, no, that's what's, you know, what's funny though. What, yeah. What you said is right. But for me, I, it's not rebel anymore to smoke weed. And like now it's like everybody and their mom smoke. It's just not, not that it needs to be cool. All the but fucking it used homeless to be, in Venice are smoking dude, weed. Do you know all, what I mean? Everybody. And it's primo. And, and all my friends that grew weed are now fucked because it's become so corporate that my, the little mom and pop operations are kind of getting yeah. hurt. So my friends are all fucked. They're like, yeah, you think legalizing weed's good, but it sucks for us. And everyone's going to be getting DUIs because that's, you know, you can get a marijuana DUI now easily because it's legal. Um, and, uh, but personally, I went in, you know, because it is kind of a cool novelty to walk into a weed shop and just like, they have like this one called uh, MedMen. And it's like the Apple store. You walk in and it's all computers and fucking teched out. So I went in there like, the one time I smoked in the last three months, I went in there. I'm like, one day I'm like, fuck it, I want to smoke weed. And I go in there, pick out my weed. I'm like, I want your only I want your organic outdoor, no chemical weed. Do you have anything like that? And they had 500 weeds. They had one weed that was grown in the sun with no chemicals. Wow. And it was $15 an eighth. One five. What? $15 an eighth. And they're like, yeah, nobody asks for this shit. I'm like, really? They're like, yeah, we got 31% THC. I'm like, I don't want that shit. That's yeah. too strong. Yeah. I won't, I won't even be able to function. I want the weed that I could smoke and be able to drive and go talk to people and be social. So I found this one strain that was like a outdoor organic purple. That was $15 an Do eighth. Do you remember the name of it? Uh, no, but I could find out and I'll tell you later because I don't remember the name, but... Yeah, dude. It was just so funny because they're like laughing at me. All these weeds, hipster snobs are like, you want the cheapest weed we got? I'm like, yeah, motherfucker. I've been smoking weed before you were born. Trust me. Like, I know what I, yeah. Fuck. Yeah, the last time I smoked good weed, uh, it was with Tate Fletcher in Sedona, and he had brought out some stuff from SoCal, and it was like really high CBD. I don't know. I think it might have been Harlequin was the name of the strain, but 
far higher CBD and other cannabinoids and pretty low THC. Right. That, well, that's, so he was rolling dude, blunts with that. Yeah. And I haven't fucked with blunts since I was like 16 uh-huh. years old. So we were puffing that uh-huh. and passing it around. And it was so chill. It was mellow. It wasn't overwhelming. There was yep. no anxiety. And I was like, damn, this is, that's what I miss. Yeah, yeah. That, that's, you know, but, you know that's it's a there. good time. When you want it, you can go get that. And that's funny too, because I, what you said about the CBD to THC ones, I actually, this is what it's come to. I went in there the same day I got that one. And I said, what's your lowest THC level joint? They said, we got some that are zero, just CBD. I'm like, well, what's the point of that? Some people just want to smoke and get the CBD. I'm like, give me a pack of those. So I'm at my house and all my friends are smoking their alien weed and I'm smoking the no (laughs) THC weed. And they're like, why are you smoking that? I'm like, I don't know. It's like, I want to smoke with you guys, but I don't want to get high. And I feel like I'm smoking because half of the addiction is rolling it and smoking Mm -hmm. it and puffing it. So I'm like, this is what it's come to. I'm smoking zero THC weed. (laughs) Like, what the fuck? That's how much I changed. I'm like like, drinking near beer. You got O'Doul's in your hand and the fucking no THC. That's a funny bit. I need to shoot something. (laughs) Uh, But you know, I don't know if you remember in the beginning of the 1980s, video going backwards a little bit on that's the you know you said you partied to that song i don't know if you remember in the video in the beginning what happened to your queer party yeah exactly right before that part i go uh i go my boy's like what's wrong with you man i go nothing you know i've been doing some yoga pilates just Uh getting in tune with myself getting in touch with mind spirit and body he's like you sound like a little bitch hit that dirt nasty shit and get your dick suck and then i proceed to rap really dirty i've become the guy that i mocked so the guy that I was making fun of. <laughs> right in the beginning of the video. Dude, it's so funny. I'm like, that's literally me now. And all my friends break my balls. Like, you became the joke that you did. I'm like, dude, if you ain't changing, you ain't growing. I'm like, you know when people say like, oh, he changed, he changed. I hope he changed. Do you want to stay the same forever and not change and grow? Like, you're constantly changing. That's what life is. You're constantly shedding skin and becoming a different version of yourself. And lately, I've just been sitting in it, bro. How old are you? 36. Okay. I'm 44 years old. You're, you're ahead of your time. Like you, you're like an alien or something, but (laughs) um, (laughs) for me, I'm sitting in this uncomfortable, weird phase of my life. That's, I don't even know, like, I don't even feel like me and my body sometimes. And I'm just like, dude, just get through this shit. It's weird. It's uncomfortable, but there's something around the corner bigger. And like, uh, dude, I, I've never been this, like, it's crazy, dude. I'll just be completely honest. Like, I've never been less sexual. I've been going through this weird phase where I'm so, like, my, I was in Bali, and my whole life I've chased girls around and chased the party around. And my boys would be like, oh, let's go out, let's go out. I'm like, I'm going to stay in and read, and I'm going to get up and meditate in the morning. And they're like, what the fuck happened to you? That you don't want to go look at chicks? I'm like, dude, I've been in monkey mode my whole life. I'm in monk mode right now. I'm in monk mode. Like just going that. inside a little bit. I've done all that other shit, and... It's just not serving me right now. I'm just listening to my gut. And I know that right now I need to get through this weird phase of like not being, you know, my whole life was getting pussy and getting fucked up. Like I'm just doing something different. There's like a shift happening and I'm just sitting in it. And it's weird Mm. and it's uncomfortable as hell sometimes. But, and it's even weird talking about it. But dude, it's, I don't know if it's just my age. Everyone's on a different path, but 44 is the existential crisis age. It's like, you're looking at your watch like, dude, I'm halfway to the grave if I'm lucky. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. You do the math and you're like, whoa, trippy. Like your parents start getting older. Everything seems finite where it didn't before. And it happens like that. Like I was playing basketball the other day and these kids are half my age and they're running circles around me. And I go, oh my God, I'm the 40 year old dude at the court. I used to run circles around the 40 year old dude and like smirk at him. And overnight, I'm the old guy getting circles run around me because my brain still (laughs) says, get the rebound. And I go to get it, but I don't get it because I'm not as athletic as I was. And some kid snatches it. That's half my age. I'm like, oh, it hit me the other day. I'm like, oh, I'm the old dude with gray hair getting circles. 
and it's okay, but it's just weird. It, like those little moments happen. You're like, what the yeah, fuck? That realization. Because I've spilled 25. I got energy like a motherfucker. I'm bouncing off the walls all day, dude. <laughs> ah, so let's weird. let's talk about these these higher vibration drugs. Yeah, yeah. I want to get into this stuff. And obviously, mm. I think there's at least for me. You know, I'd been in church as a kid, and there was a lot that didn't resonate with me. And there's still a lot that doesn't resonate with me with that paradigm and and kind of how they serve God to you. Um, and then psychedelics, and and you know specifically ayahuasca and the deeper journeys with psilocybin mushrooms. There's just a different element there, mm-hmm. and it feels very much like I'm tapping in to something spiritual, that I'm tapping into some type of higher consciousness. Yeah, you absolutely what are. What has your experience been okay. with these plant medicines? And Great. I love this. Um, now, again, I know nothing. I'm extremely, I, I, the older I get, the less I know. That's kind of my motto. Like, I don't know shit, but I'll tell you my experience. Yeah. Um, I believe that psychedelics, certain ones done the right way, open up a portal to another dimension that we can't describe, or I can't at least, that there's this comfortable place that you go to certain times when you do the right drugs that is a very uh, warm place, which feels like if that's what's on the other side after we die, we're going to be okay. And that's the lesson that I take away from the big pictures is the ultimate truth serum. You just learn the truth about yourself, about the big picture. And it's a feeling. It's not, it's a, it's a feeling that you feel in your fucking bones and your guts and your fucking DNA. And you just feel like you, you just sort of visit that place that you can't describe. Like I've had it on ketamine. I've had it on LSD. I've had it on mushrooms. And I really had it on 5-MeO-DMT mm-hmm. and regular DMT um, where you touch the void of this world. That's whatever's on the other. Like we can't see it or touch it right now. Maybe it's not tangible, but there's something else out there. And that's comforting to me. Yeah. I don't know what it is, yeah. but I like it there. And I like to visit there once in a while. And I think it's a place that if people could go there more, it would save the world. You know what I mean? It's a very humbling. For those beautiful. that are ready, for sure. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's sure. the thing. You don't for it's not like, hey man, smoke this shit. dude. It'll call you. Yeah. If you had you know somebody I mean? try five MEO DMT for the first time who had never done any plant medicines and had never even really like it's funny how meditation and some of these other practices really flow in line with that. And you know, yeah. there's there's yogis that are like, oh, that's the cheat code. Don't ever take psychedelics. This is the path, mm-hmm. you know, and everyone's dogmatic about their approach mm-hmm. to it. But you know. Maybe it is the cheat code where you get to fucking see God for a second and then you come back and you're like, damn, that always maybe exists. Maybe that's why it's there. That's you know? always there. Yeah. yeah maybe yeah. it's so we can remember where we come from. Yeah, dude. It's it's fascinating. And I can't wrap my head around it because like the big questions, like what happens after you die? Why are we here? Is there a God? What's the meaning of life? Like those big questions that nobody knows the answer of. And it's like, you know, be very weary of people that claim to know the answers to that because nobody fucking really knows. And maybe some people have more wisdom and, you know, tribal experience, like, you know, a, a, like a rites of passage. Like I feel like us as Western Americans, Pretty much, if you go through the history of life on this earth, almost every culture had some type of psychedelic ritual to become a man that they went through. We have the military in college, or we have like, you know, lower vibration things that are legal and it's illegal to go do psychedelics. We have to self induce these experiences. Yeah. And for me, I feel like we're out, we're the out of touch Westerners, people that aren't in tune with what's really going on out there, like every other culture ever, pretty much, you know? And I want to learn more about it. And I want to go, I want to like, I, to me, I'm just, I feel like a little kid learning something new, you know? Hell yeah. And there's just so much fucking like 
so much shit to learn and so much, so much, so many experiences to have. And like my five MEO experience, bro, that, that was the most, I did it eight, about nine months ago. I did five MEO. For those listening, that's the toad that you smoke. That's from the Sonoran, yeah, the Sonoran Desert toad. Have you done it? Yes. Okay. So, you know, it's, I'm not like, I'm not going to sit here and do that. You know, people always like, don't want to hear about your trip or your dreams or whatever. It gets a little boring. I'm just going to tell you this. Um, That shit was the a, a rebirth like i was yeah. i died and was born again straight up i don't care what the fuck you, that's my experience and i fucking went to another place and came back the hero's journey it's some you know mm-hmm. joseph campbell shit dude yeah you go and come back it's like every story ever told it's that loop and you come back and i'm still processing nine months later the experience that i had there was no visuals it just goes white but it's a feeling yeah. The most it's incredible through every love fucking feeling. fiber of your being. Oh God, dude. And I just am still reeling from my experience. I'm still tripping on it. You know, it's still kind of like why I've been in this, you know, place lately of really going inside. You know, mm. all these things sound so cliche. And I'm sure some people are listening to this going, yeah, whatever, dirt and ass. Dude, it's a trip. <laughs> it's a fucking trip. And there's some shit we don't know out there. And it's exciting to go dip your toes into it. But yeah. I don't know, man. I just want to learn. Yeah. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I've, I've, I mean, I've done Toad probably five times. The, all of them were the same. The four, four out of the five were for the exact same. And I'll dive into that. The one that wasn't, I was sick and I had this lump in my throat. And so I thought like I was going to choke and I could feel this ball move up from my root chakra for those that are into that shit. Mm -hmm. And it just moved up from my fucking gut from underneath my belly button. And it went up through my chest slowly, like a big ball. And when I got to my throat, it stuck there and expanded. And then I opened my mouth and ah, uh, it came out. And it was like the green mile. Like all this shit was coming out of my throat. Like, and what, like left, physical shit or like energy? Like energy. But, uh-huh. it, but as it left, I didn't have a sore throat anymore. Yeah. It fucking, I was healed from the, from the one experience. Just from a common cold probably. But whatever that energy that left, like I, I felt fine. Now the other four... That's where I experienced why they call it God particle. Like in any description of a near-death experience, pure white light, Mm -hmm. pure love, Mm -hmm. uh, hum in the background, like a straight note, like that, uh, like like fuck, angels are singing or trumpets are playing, like that kind of fucking- That note we were talking about earlier, yeah. Yeah, like that note being sung that you can read about in spiritual texts, but the difference is it is self-experience. It is to touch that for yourself without- somebody else telling you about it without me telling you about it, like to try that for yourself and to experience that firsthand, like that is fucking powerful. And that's one of the most powerful ones there is. I mean, you know? dude, yeah. It, it There's not a lot me, of bro. notes. I don't take a lot of notes after that. I'm not yeah. like getting messages where I'm going to, this is how to change my life and I'm going to, you know, nap every day. I mean, ayahuasca gives me a lot of messages like, hey, dude, a lot of cultures do siesta you should have siesta. Mm-hmm. Like right when my son was born, it was telling me like this, like, you're going to block this time off and nap with your son. Dope, so like very dope. real, right, practical, right. Real clear message. Yeah. That I'll write down. Yeah. But with 5MEO, it's just, there's none of that. It's just like, boom, this is here. Mm-hmm. Here's heaven. Here's the, here's what the inside of a star feels like. That's and, a good one. I like that. That's, you know? And then, and then you're point. here and you realize like this infinite energy is always here. It's comforting. It's, you know, I, I actually left me with the feeling of, of this is the ultimate liberator for me, was it made me realize I don't need to be afraid to die. Now, you know what that does to you on a deep level? Because they say every decision you make is either fear or love-based. 
if you could go through life without being afraid of anything, holy shit, dude, that in itself is worth doing right there. Much less the other, the, the, the obvious euphoric feeling you get. And, and for me, I had a real, I had a real clear message actually come out of it is I came out of it. I'm like, I need to talk to my dad and mm. I, me and my dad aren't that close. My dad does healing work, you know? And my dad's getting older and he had a stroke a while ago. So I was like, I need to go talk to my dad. He left when I was two, never paid child support, yada, yada, me and everyone else, right? So, but me and my dad are cool. We just never were like that close. So I, I got out of there. I'm like, I need to see my dad. So I call him. He lives in North Carolina. And he's like, uh, uh, hey, I'm like, dad, I need to talk to you. And he's like, what's up? And I'm like, uh, in person. I was even going to fly to North Carolina to see him. And he's like, I'll be in San Diego next week. I'm like, perfect. Fucking roll the car down, see him two hours away instead of flying to North Carolina. So a few days later, he's in San Diego. I roll down. He sits in my car. I look at him. I just say, I forgive you. And I just watched. Bro, I just watched his whole body go. <sighs> like he was carrying all this guilt for my Damn. whole life. And I watched it come off of him like I saw it, bro. And it came off him and he just starts crying. And he's just crying, looking at the ground going, thank you. Like I just, I let him off the hook. I took the high road and I said, I forgive you. And I let it go. And me and him went and spent the day together. And instead of it being this father-son dynamic, we went and spent the day together. It'd be like me and you hanging out. We went and hung out. We had the best time. It shifted our whole shit. And now we text each other and it's like, I'm texting one of my boys. It changed the whole reality. And that's, I guess the message that I got out, one of the messages was like forgiveness, love. Mm -hmm. I just came out of that like, whatever, life's too short. And I probably bought my dad another year on this planet maybe because I could tell he was holding that shit in. Yeah. And that shit just like, dude. And another thing at the 5MEO, I remember when I came out of it, I was doing this. I'm, I'm shaking my hands right now for those listeners. I was like shaking my hands and I could just like energy like coming off of me, like sticky yeah. energy that was like holding me down, just getting that shit out. It was like the ultimate cleanse, like the soul cleanse. Mm -hmm. That shit is serious medicine, man. Done correctly, you know, you it's 20 years of psychotherapy in 10 minutes, bro. Straight up. Yeah. I don't care what the fuck you say. I've been going to therapists my whole life. I know that shit is magic. Um, well, let's, touch, <laughs> let's talk about that energy because, you know, this is something I talked about this the first time I was on Rogan's and he kind of scoffed at the idea. But a very clear message that's come through with, for me on plant medicines is that we store shit in our body. And I think they're doing research on this now in Australia because when I when I came off the show, people had written me on Instagram and they're like, no, you're actually right. There's science on this in Australia right now. But we store shit in our body. We store fear, pain, trauma in the muscle. And that's why people who do rolfing, mm -hmm. uh, it's a very deep form of, of massage therapy. Oftentimes people experience like deep emotional releases or they'll remember being molested at five or some horrific thing will come back up for them. And because it's stored in the body. So as you release that that lock, that blockage, that energy, it allows it to move and dump. And then you're flooded with those emotions again as mm -hmm. it comes out. Mm -hmm. I want to ask you, because you're shaking it out and you're shaking your fucking hands. And I've done this a ton of times on psychedelics. And then I saw, uh, what, what's the one with uh, Bhagawan, Sri Rajneesh? Bhagawan Rajneesh. Yeah, the, 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 the cult leader guy from India. Yeah. Yeah, the, the, that Netflix special. Yeah, Bhagawan Rajneesh. It was called, uh, I forget the name of the movie, but yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so six-part series. Got it. It'll yeah, come to me. It's going to fucking kill me. Yeah. Tosh, if you remember it. Um, wild, 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 wild Country. Wild, wild yes, Brian Giles. Wild, wild All right, Wild Wild Country. Please watch it if you've not seen it. It's yeah. fucking awesome. Um, I have hella books from Osho. Didn't realize mm -hmm. that was Osho mm -hmm. before he became Osho. Mm -hmm. And, um, 
you know, you, you they show like some of the videos of these fucking wild sex parties. Everyone's naked and they're just shaking like fucking rag dolls. And then I learned about Kundalini and mm-hmm. I was like, oh, that there is something to that. Yeah, you know, like sure the chick in the videos she's a little fucking wacky and and yeah they try to poison people and there's that's all real like it's not right it's not it's those not, are the wrong people a hold of some magic stuff yeah right. exactly just right. like there's ayahuasqueros in the amazon that are fucking throwing energy darts yeah, at no. people and fucking and raping women they you know, had like, a bad agenda but the the, the practice is there's some yeah real man yeah and yeah. i think i think kundalini is so powerful because of the fact that often it, it is really and I've, and I've spoken about this before, but yoga, there's four parts of yoga and we only see the physical, right? Right. But the, but the end of that is to be able to sit in stillness, right. to, to, to have communion with the divine, right? I've had a lot of trouble sitting still in meditation. So walking meditation, Tai Chi, Qigong, those are better practices for me. Mm-hmm. But if I do fucking some kundalini some breath of fire and i shake my body and dude, just fucking dude, move that that's out science, of me bro. that's not a dog there's no religious dogma yeah, how that. good do you feel when you do that shit, dude right? it's the best shit ever first and of all I that's real still that's there's real. no problem well my buddy just went to costa rica and these israeli guys opened up a facility in costa rica that's um osho's practice without all the bullshit and then mm. he, my boy went and every morning you wake up it's like a one month thing you can choose either meditation yoga or the tribal like shaking out shit right and he's like dude that stuff right there is just physically gets all that shit out of you. Everyone's sitting around with their stored trauma. Just like you said, bro, thousand percent. Everyone's walking around with stored trauma from their childhood in their bodies that you can fucking work on and get out. And I feel it in my body. I feel it in places. Like I had this one in my left arm that was like some blockage that I've been working on for a while. And that like, there's some shit inside that I don't even know what the emotional attachment is to it, but I have blockages all over. I actually, dude, I didn't believe in Reiki. Is that how it's pronounced? Mm -hmm. Reiki? Reiki? So I was, I'm just like, look, I'm a, I'm a pessimist. I don't. That's why I'm guinea pigging myself and trying all these things to see what's real. And there's some bullshit out there, and there's some truth out there. And I and, and I there's people within those practices. Of course, there's there's white belts and black belts. Yes, thousand no percent. And they're no mostly doubt. white belts. There's very few. Just like anything in real life, it's probably ninety percent bullshit. But that ten percent of the truth is out there. So I went to a Reiki. I was in London with my ex girlfriend, and for my birthday, she got me a Reiki session. And I'm like, all right, I'll go try it. Like. Eh. And I swear, I felt like I had a paperweight on my heart for the last like year. Like, like I take a deep breath. It was almost like there was like something clogging, like right in here, right? I'm, I'm holding my chest right now. It's like right in here. I'm like, and I just couldn't take a deep breath up here. You know, I could in my diaphragm, but not here. So I went to this Reiki work and this old, you know, Japanese guy was just holding his fingers above my back, not even touching me. I'm like, man, I only get a massage out of this. And he's just <laughs> holding his fingers above doing like energy work. And I'm laying there thinking, this is bullshit, bro. I fucking stood up and walked out of there and went, and fucking it was gone, dude. It was fucking gone. Now, did I create that? Was it placebo? I don't know. But the end result was the paperweight was gone, dude. And I'm like, holy fucking shit, dude. In London, some guy that fucking like, what? Like, it's never what, it's just sometimes it'll present itself in the weirdest places. But going backwards a little bit, one more interesting thing to tell you. So I have this woman that I'm going to turn on to you because you're going to love me for this. There's a woman uh, that does mushroom massage with you and she eats mushrooms with you what? and gives you a four-hour massage, what? deep tissue, and talks to you and accesses the stored trauma and gets it out of you. And she's here? Yes. 
Fuck yes. Okay, Are dude, you kidding is, me? This is the most incredible <laughs> healer of ever. Okay, so I was at the health food store. I overhear this dude talking about her. And I'm like, I'm what, sorry. Erewhon, the health food of store. Erewon, I overhear this hippie dude talking about it. And I go, I'm sorry to bother you and interrupt. And I didn't mean to eavesdrop. But did I just hear you say you have a mushroom masseuse that takes mushrooms with you and talks to you while massaging you and gets that shit? He's, he's like, yeah, dude. And she's a lesbian, so there's no sexual tension. I'm like, okay, can I get her number? He's like, sure, call her up. She comes over. She, she gives me some fucking mushrooms. She eats some mushrooms too. I'm like, what? Nice to meet you. Like, hi. She brings over the table. She busts out these like S&M looking devices that look like torture devices. And she lays them all down the table and she starts eating mushrooms with me. And I eat like two caps and I'm laying on the table. She comes right to my face and goes, what are you afraid of? <laughs> what? What are you afraid of? What are you talking about? Eat some more. <laughs> all right. Ate more mushrooms with her. She was calling me out for not eating enough, okay? This bitch is fucking rad. <laughs> I ate a couple more. Dude, next thing you know, I'm tripping in my living room, butt naked, and she's going in, dude, doing deep. I'm a massage snob. I'll get off the table and be like, lay down. This is what I want. Put my elbow into your back, you know? So this woman is so powerful that I'm like, oh my God. Like, she's like, breathe through it. Tell me about when you were a kid. And she's like fucking talking. It's like therapy, okay? Damn. Like physical and mental therapy. So by the fucking end, I'm so wrung out. Like we had to take a break at two hours, okay? Take a break and I just stand up and I'm like, like shaking and all, like crying about shit. I don't even know what I'm crying about. I'm like, what the fuck? And she's like, yeah, yeah, yep. And then at the very end, she puts a rubber glove on like out of a movie, like smacks the glove on her hand. I'm like, you're going to put your hand up my ass? Like what yes. the fuck? She goes, no, 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 open your mouth. And she starts going in your inside of your oh, skull. Oh, yeah, yeah, like Dude, Rolfing. Paul Check does that. Okay, gets in your top of your skull, your jaw. She's like, you've been grinding your teeth for 15 years. You feel that? The left side is all tight. She's in there. And I'm on mushrooms, dude. <laughs> dude. I turned on a couple other people to her that are like burner, healer people. They're like, that's the, that's, that's the next level shit. Where'd you find her? I'm like, dude, you own a health food store. Um, <laughs> and I'm happy to turn you on to her because, dude, that's the 10% of real shit out there we're talking about. Yeah, She's brother. in that 10%. Fuck yeah. Dude, she's fucking amazing. Like, I'm actually, now that I'm thinking about it, I'm due for one with her. But it's like a commitment, dude. It's a four-hour fucking massage or however long she thinks you need. Okay. And, dude... Have you ever even heard of that before? No. Okay. That's fucking amazing, It opened up my though. whole mind to some other shit. So when I was in Bali just recently, I would go do ketamine massage. So I would do self-induced ketamine therapy massages where I'd go get a fucking full, you know, $7 an hour massage in Bali. And ketamine, you just get at the pharmacy there. And I would just do a tiny bit of ketamine and get a massage and just fucking same kind of experience. Like it's opening shit up and you're kind of mm. putting things together. And you're like, oh, this is what I need to do. Oh my God, what? Pieces, the puzzle starts kind of coming together. And you're, while you're getting... Dude, there's I'm tapping into that shit lately. That's what yeah. I'm at. Like, I'm not just trying to get my dick sucked at the bar. I want to do fucking like mushroom massages. You know what I mean? That's where I'm fucking. <laughs> it's, a different, at, dude. it's a different level. It's a whole different level. Bro. My That's wife just, and I, when we lived in the bay, we did we used to go do uh LSD and we jump in the float tanks together. Oh, and then there was a time it. where we got a couple's time massage purchased for mm -hmm. us in the city at this fucking amazing spot. I forget the name of it, but it was two hours each. Mm -hmm. You guys are included. together? Yeah, guys, we're together okay. in the same so room. And hang out. Yeah, yeah. And we take um, a grip of MDA, not MDMA. What's the difference? MDA is a stronger version that lasts oh, longer. Shit. So we had this in the morning. She actually purged oh, getting out of the V. Like it was good. fucking like Purging's before we important. got, she was like, 
oh, fuck, I don't think I'm going to feel good. And I was like, you sure? And she looked turned pale as a ghost and just fucking started purging. And I was like, damn, all right, I'm jealous. I like that, right? And we get in there, we walk in, and and the ladies at the front desk, you know, they're like, oh, you okay, honey? And I was like, oh, yeah, she has a morning sickness. Uh, And they're like, oh, congratulations. uh, And then we went, we laid down. And I swear to God, I felt just all sorts of shit unlocking, like, like, dude, Yes, in my dude. body. Yes. There was even a part where he was on my foot and I, my digestion turned on and I just started burping over and over again. And I was hella embarrassed. And dude. I was like, oh, it's better than farting. But I'm like, Bleh. you know, like as, as like my stomach literally started to move and change digestion. Dude, this is just, real, bro. It's nuts. It's, that's, it that's, is nuts. That's healing work right there. And once you kind of figure that out and can do, you know, with you, you know the drugs you can take. Like it's just different than smoking a bowl and going to get a massage. Like you go in deep, dude, and and I find it to be very. You could say whatever you want that it's a shortcut or a cheat code. Sometimes maybe you want to use that. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'm yeah. You could get there in meditation or sitting in a chair for therapy. I do both of those, but. Why not use the tools given? Like, I, you know the guy, Hamilton's Pharmacopoeia? You mm-hmm. ever see him? Yep, yep. He said it perfectly, bro. He said it on Rogan. He was like, uh, interesting how Americans are so quick to say, you know, oh, don't, don't drink, don't do drugs, don't smoke. And the rest of the world is like, really? Interesting that you would choose to not use these herbs and plants provided for these reasons for us. And that's the way you got to look at it. We're so Western in our way of thinking, bro. It's like, that's what this shit's there for, man. Use it, I think, when it's, it's time, the, yeah. when it calls you. I think there is, it is by design. Like we yeah. are a part of this concert that is life. We're not inextricable. We're not different. We're not better than. We're here in it fully. And there is a synergy between all these things. I mean, fucking DMT, like we produce DMT. There are receptors for that in our brain already. Mm-hmm. And, and not just in our brain, throughout our entire body, we have receptors for DMT. So like it's fitting in like a skeleton key into all these different locks within our body, unlocking things, flipping on off switches on our epigenetic level. And really like in a way, consciously changing who we are, Yeah, you know, at a rapid Isn't pace. Isn't that what epigenetics, is that epigenetics like changing your DNA? Uh, what does that mean on a cellular those, level? Those like are a, those on off switches right, we have, right? right? What's influenced. So we have what they used to call junk DNA, which is the vast majority of DNA, uh-huh. that's the influenceable stuff, right? Like sunlight, you go outside, right, right, right. direct sunlight influences 500 plus on-off switches in the body. And, you know, you can do too much or too little of that, right. and that's an issue I that's going to about that shit. Yeah, that's problematically, but yeah, the yeah. right amount, it's 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 powerful stuff. Yeah, that is in- that's interesting stuff. Uh, I want to learn more about that stuff. But yeah, so, so I feel like you can heal yourself. I yeah. think you can, I, I believe that with the right medicine and the right intention and the right healers, you can heal yourself. And who doesn't want to become a better version of themselves and, and learn about themselves? And that's just where I'm at, man. I'm just like, again, this sounds so fucking cliche, but I did all the outside shit. I, I, I'm doing, I'm going inwards and it's mm. fucking great, man. It's fucking great. It's sure, sure, it's weird sometimes. It's uncomfortable as hell. There's times I'm like, but it feel I'm just going off my gut, and my gut is usually right. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. well, brother, it's yeah. a fucking beautiful thing to yeah. watch, yeah. and I'm so Thank pumped you, we got man. to sit in front of each yeah, other. Yeah, yeah, right. And on, finally, man. fucking get this podcast going. Yeah, me too. And I apologize that I didn't make it out there before. I was dealing no, with some personal shit that I really good, could, I didn't want to show up. I'm glad I got to talk to you now, where I kind of had a a better sort of 
grasp on my situation because I was just going through like a, a tough breakup and I would, I was just a little rattled and I didn't want to mm-hmm. show up giving you 50% of me. You know what I mean? Yeah, brother. I yeah, get yeah. that. Right well, on, man. Thank you, brother. Thank you, brother. I appreciate it. I love you. you. Yeah, it's I been love an you too, absolute man. pleasure thank getting you, to know you. Yeah, and uh, yeah, we'll yeah. do this again, brother. Yes, yes. Where can people get you? We got we got Instagram oh, links. Yeah. Simon Rex 415. Yeah, Instagram, it? Simon Rex 415. Twitter, Simon Rex. And then fa- I don't use Facebook, but I have one. And I think it's just, I think it's either Dirt Nasty or Simon Rex. But whatever. Follow me. Don't follow me. I don't give a fuck. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. Fuck yeah, brother. Yeah, Thanks bro. for being on. Yeah, thank you. Thank you guys for listening to the show. Let us know what you think. Hit us up on social media. And as always, 10% off all supplements and foods at onit.com slash podcast.